People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 521. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I'm just laughing because I'm reading over the notes that Laura added. <laughs> Her face being as smooth as a baby's butt. Yep. <laughs> what did you do over Memorial Day? Um, I mean, not a whole lot, but I did get a massage because I have a membership at like a chain massage place. And I had a whole bunch of packages that have added up because I never go. I literally have like 10 of them months that I just haven't used. And so I was like, well, I'll also get a facial while I'm there. And I was like, oh, I can upgrade and get microdermabrasion because it's like an additional, it's like a fancy facial. I'd never had microderm done before. Oh my God, it's amazing. My face has not been this soft since I was a child. Definitely since before puberty. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so smooth. Mark told me, so the other day I like, I made him touch my face and I was like, isn't my face so smooth? And he was like, yeah, it feels like gack. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And I was that like, is that is smooth. I was like, that's the wrong answer. Yeah. What a throwback though. I was uh, down in Nashville with Pat and I get down, we get down there, we go into the downtown area. I was just in shock over how many of those damn electric scooters are littering Every sidewalk in the city. Chicago does not have them yet. At least not to this extent. I guess down in the loop there might be some, but oh my god, I couldn't believe how they just they have truly taken over and transformed the city. And so we get drinking, and of course <laughs> we decide to ride on them drunk for the first time, which probably was not the best idea, but we ended up spending the whole weekend just scooting around Nashville. We barely did any Ubering in a car. But it is so fun. Have either of you used these yet? I'm, no. I I can't bring myself to do it because then I feel like all of the complaining I do about how they shouldn't really be available in certain instances is like a moot point that right. I'm a hypocrite. Like last year, they had them available at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, Andrew, you've been. Imagine people with electric scooters trying to scoot on sidewalks because – they won't go on the street with them when it's already that packed. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Basically, Pam doesn't want to be part of the problem. And Basically, Andrew, yeah. I think <laughs> I think all of this talk about scooters is a really convenient distraction from the fact that you just turned 30. So how does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> my When my mom called me on my birthday, she said, how does it feel? I'm like, no different. And we all know this by now. Correct. That's true. Is that your way of wishing me a happy birthday? Thank you, Laura. That was very sweet. Yeah. No, I... Hey, hey, I wrote some really nice stuff about you on social media on the day. Oh, that was you? I assume that was Jewel, but thank you. No, I'm talking about my tweet where I called you my podcast husband. Oh, yes. That was super sweet. So that's how I spent my birthday. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the sidewalks, Pam, because in Nashville... That that rule applies there as well. No riding on on sidewalks. Nobody follows that rule. We were on sidewalks the right. entire time. Fuck that. I'm not riding a scooter on the street with no seatbelt, no helmet, 
with faster moving vehicles. Ooh. Right, but those things go way too fast. Like they can go way too fast for pedestrian walkers. That's my problem. Yes, I was afraid people were going to check me. Like people who really right. hated the scooters, they were just going to stick their leg out and <laughs> make me fly. <laughs> Yeah, it was also kind of weird because somebody had died in Nashville a week earlier on a scooter. They were hit by a car See, and they were drunk. It's crazy because like three weeks ago, we had our first scooter death here in Atlanta. Somebody mm. just ran a stoplight and got hit and died. And I yeah. was like, that that's another reason. Like I was driving around um, the East Atlanta Village the other night and there were these fucking, I can only assume they were tourists because... None of them were wearing reflective gear. Um, They were all like running lights and like doing the scooter equivalent of jaywalking across intersections at night. And I was like, what is your problem? Yeah. You know what, though? I really have to defend them, though, because they're so fucking fun to fly around on. The wind in your face. You feel freedom. It's more exciting than driving a car. I just kind of wish there was more rule enforcement. But how are you going to see the appeal of the scooters is that you can pick them up and drop them off anywhere. That's what makes right. them so fun. It's like those, um, is it Segways, the ones where you stand up? Yeah. On them, like, forward. you have to take a class to, to ride those. So, like, why? I know that scooter is pretty self-explanatory, but yeah. I don't know. Either they need to make them so that they go slower or they need to yeah. figure something out because it just gets, like, it just gets really dangerous. I hate to be like that old lady, like these darn kids, but it gets so dangerous when the streets are really crowded and it does. People don't just follow like the rules. Designated scooter lanes, kind of like bike lanes. Yes. Right. But that they would, you know, that would take forever to do. Or like designated drop-off zones, you know, like they yeah. have the city bikes in New York City. Right. Yes. Yes. Like that, so they're not you. just left in the middle of the street. No, I I completely agree. But um this the mayor of nashville actually said uh scooter companies you have x amount of days to do something about all this <laughs> it was a very broad statement <laughs> there was no particular direction just do something fix all these problems but they really have transformed the city and uh, i'm just fascinated fascinated by it i could spend the whole episode but i won't i do also want to mention we um so nashville they have the uh broadway that's like their main street that's the las vegas strip of nashville and uh we went to kid rocks kid rocks honky tonk (laughs) it's kind of new oh my god this fucking guy has 30 foot guns on the wall just these absolutely (laughs) ridiculously sized guns this neon sign also very large that says cadillac pussy which i didn't know is one of his songs i had to google it to figure out why that was a sign uh, but the band was really good. I was feeling very conflicted. It's like, wow, this guy is very staunch Republican, but I really like the band that he has here. I think that perfectly sort of encapsulates the the struggle of being a progressive-minded Southerner. Like, there's so many things I love about the South, and at the same time, there are so many things that I deeply hate about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kid Rock, apparently, very conservative and is very anti-LGBT, so. That's not a shocker. Yeah, then Pat was, like, trying to be affectionate in Kid Rock's honky-tonk. I was like, seriously, do not touch me in here. Do not. Pam, how was your weekend? I stayed local. I went wine tasting up in Napa. Um, Kind of fun because I don't usually end up up there whenever people are in town visiting. 
Usually I just opt to take them to Sonoma, which has great wine tasting. And it's a little bit cheaper, I think. But Napa is great for the experience. I feel like that's where everybody wants to go. And so I did a little Instagram storying while I was at this one particular winery that looks like it's built like a medieval castle. And the reception was not very good when I was doing all of this. So I didn't like tag the place or anything. And all of a sudden, I started getting all these text messages and Instagram direct messages of people asking if I had taken a surprise trip to Italy because it didn't look like California. And I felt really bad about that. I, I um, you know, basically faked a trip. And you said yes, to. though, right? You did. I overseas. should have the honesty weighed out. And I said, no, I'm in Napa. It made sense later. It's just that like the reception kind of stopped working when we were in the bowels of the castle. So a lot of the stuff that clearly said Napa didn't get posted till like I was out of the city. So then people were like, oh, I get it now. You're just in a themed location. So that was pretty fun. Laura, is it just me or does Pam lead the best life of the three of us? Definitely the most glamorous. For sure. Yes. I really don't think so. Mr. Jetsetter Andrew oh, over no. here Pam. just like always has stuff to talk about and I just literally stay home. I do not time. always have stuff to talk about. <laughs> hey guys, I went to an anti-gay bar. <laughs> Every time I see you on social, Pam, it's like pictures of like cute little like kitschy cafes and like gorgeous coffee drinks exactly. and your perfectly manicured nails painted beautiful <laughs> colors and i'm like which oh, i do myself <laughs> no oh you're so lucky i have such like little baby nails and you just i even said this to you when i saw you in person in san francisco i think we were both admiring each other's nails because yep. laura's look ready to cut a bitch and i'm really <laughs> jealous about that <laughs> yeah i do love my cut a bitch nails but they are fake mm-hmm. so but they still look good. Speaking of living the life of Pam, um, Pat and I went to see Booksmart and Rocketman early on Sunday morning. I felt like you, how you get to the movie theater nice and early. We started. I do. Wasn't it? Was it nice? Oh yeah, yeah. And we started with Booksmart, which like nobody is seeing, so the theater was extra empty. Um, Booksmart was so freaking good. If you haven't seen that yet, please go. It's about yeah. two high school girls on their last day of uh, high school. And they go to graduation parties for the first time. And it's freaking funny, isn't it? It's fantastic. I felt really bad because apparently the movie leaked over opening weekend. Oh. So a lot of people weren't seeing it because it had leaked online. Oh, that Mm. blows. Yeah. Which is, it sucks because it's an original script, an original idea. And in an age where we're seeing a lot of adaptations and uh, continuations of franchises you do want to try and support something that that is like original cinema it's like an original story so that was too bad but it is worth seeing 100 percent. i totally agree i had a great time watching that yeah i've yeah. heard it's a lot of harry potter references and the political references there yeah. were some yeah. which yeah. i'm Speaks like to my soul right i'm like yeah that was me in high school and that's also me now so and, and a certain alanis morissette karaoke moment that was also equally fantastic it's great yeah great cast too we also saw rocket man and i was really impressed by that i've been an elton john fan and it wasn't totally what i was expecting it is a biopic of sorts, but it's also kind of a musical, which that that was the surprising part to me. And what I found really interesting was that they used the songs to 
illustrate particularly big moments in his life. And I guess I didn't realize this, but evidently, maybe some of this stuff is made up. I don't know. But evidently, these lyrics really connect to his life, even though he didn't actually write these songs. Pam, do you know how accurate this movie actually is? Because I'm wondering that. Um, not quite sure. I know that Elton John struggled a lot with addiction, but I don't know very much. I didn't know very much going into it about his childhood and upbringing. Yeah. And I think that that kind of makes sense because by the time we were growing up, Elton John was just like this figure, you know, he's like this larger than life guy. Um, so right. yeah, I don't know about the ins and outs of his um of, of, like his growing up but it was really like it was tragic and also kind of uplifting yes it was, it was. really interesting uh, and i totally agree i didn't know it was a it was a musical either it was kind of like this weird fusion of across the universe meets jersey boys mm. where they kind of like do similar things but i I'm already just like waiting for them to announce that they're making it into a stage play because it lends itself to that. It kind of lends itself to the idea of who Elton John is, I guess, to make things a little fantastical. And, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, the the Queen movie, um, was criticized for being a little kinder to Freddie Mercury than the reality actually was. Whereas with this Rocket Man, I was really impressed by how Elton John is letting us see him. Like you said, Pam, he was a drug addict alcoholic, uh, had anger management issues, and a host of other problems. And for him to let us in like this, I'm really impressed by. Yeah, something else Mm -hmm. that I had also heard, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I thought was interesting, was that they tried to cut some of those scenes from the film, and he wouldn't let them. Good. Yeah, I guess at this point, it's like he understands that he has nothing left to lose. And, and it is kind of an interesting case of a biopic being made. I'm usually a staunch proponent of waiting until somebody dies and like their next of kin dies before you even try to tackle their story. Because there's so much wriggle room there for the estate to step in and say, oh, like, we know that he was actually this way. But like, let's let's make it a little kinder. Let's like, make it a little more like Hollywood friendly or Disney friendly. And so, yeah, props to Elton John for being like, no, why not? You know, I've already made my money. Everybody yeah. loves me. Let me just show the person I was and people will understand how I became the person I am. Exactly. And now I'm super interested in his life. He actually recently announced that his first autobiography is coming out this October. So I'm definitely going to read that because I oh, want to yeah, see if pre-ordered. it aligns with the movie. Totally. Um, the one thing I don't believe in the movie is that Elton John is a top. In one scene, we see him fucking Richard Madden who plays his manager, and sorry, I, Elton is not a top. I do not believe that. Well, maybe it was his first go, and Richard Madden's character was like, you should try it this way. I think it was in the contract. Elton said, look, you can make a movie about me, but I have to be the top in the sex scenes. But Elton, there's no <laughs> way that's, that's true. I don't care if it's true or not. I'm the dominant in this movie. Uh, any other movies we saw you want to talk about? Um, I saw John Wick 3. And I haven't seen any of those. So neither had I. And we literally sat down and watched John Wick 1 Friday night. And then John Wick 2 Saturday during the day. And then saw John Wick 3 Saturday night. So I saw all of these movies very close together. And I feel like as a result, I remembered more of the hooks that were in some of the earlier movies, which was kind of fun. I really liked it. I feel like it was my least favorite of the films, but I still thought it was pretty solid. Um, these movies are just 
beautifully choreographed. Like, it's not just like shoot him up, punch some dude in the face type fighting. It's like clearly they have a team of very accomplished choreographers helping make this happen. Um, it's also shot beautifully. The cinematography is just stunning. The soundtrack is great. Um, and it, it makes you, it makes you feel some things. So hmm. I would, I would definitely recommend it. Um, as for movies that I might not recommend so much, um, the latest Godzilla <laughs> I saw yesterday. And like, I, I want to preface this by saying that I didn't particularly like the last Godzilla either. Um, I feel like what they're doing with these movies is they can't figure out what they want them to be. So they cast these big names, actors that we all love in these movies, hoping that it'll bring like some fanfare and encourage people to buy tickets. Right. But then the writing is so bad. Like the dialogue is just heinous and it's not like good cheese. It's just like, wow, you really spent all your money on the on the kaiju, didn't you? <laughs> because <laughs> because it's terrible. Like you have like really accomplished actors like Charles Dance in this movie who he was the only one who was able to turn the shit writing into something even remotely palatable. I fell asleep for 20 minutes in the middle of this movie because they were so focused on on the characters, like the human characters. And all their drama that I just didn't give a fuck about. I was like, I am here to watch shit get wrecked by giant monsters. And I don't need any of this other stuff. I can't believe you went to go see that to begin with. (laughs) Why? clearly see it. I don't know. Godzilla? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I like like bad summer monster movies. Yeah, okay. It's maybe funny. it'll get better with time like Independence Day, where everybody shit on that when it came out, and now everyone loves it. Oh, I loved that movie. Me too. I mean, we were kids, so maybe that's why. <laughs> that's but, like, true. I don't know. There was a degree to, uh, like, of self-awareness about it. You know? Like, it kind of knew it was bad, but it embraced it. This movie doesn't think it's bad. <laughs> like, you can tell. So uh, Pam and I briefly also just saw Aladdin. And I actually... The reviews were kind of panning it, so I went in with a low bar, and I ended up thinking it was fine. I didn't hate Genie as much as I thought I would, Will Smith playing the character. Yeah, I I agree. I thought it was perfectly enjoyable. I don't think that they... uh, It's really... It was really hard, you know? It was going to be really hard for them to get raving reviews on it. Yeah. But I think it was it was fun. Um, I really appreciated the Bollywood elements and the choreography and the costuming was beautiful. And yeah, it was just it was really sweet. You can definitely um, put it on your list of things to watch when it comes out on DVD if you don't want to go to the movies. But it was yeah. fun for a night out. Yeah. One of Hypable's writers in the scene said it's better than the animated movie. And she wrote, wrote a whole article about why. Ooh, I'm like, Nassim, uh... bold opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Props to you for putting that out there, though, for real. Laura, you and I recorded a new Landy, and we actually did it with a few of our listeners over the weekend. Yeah, we did it live, and it we did. turned out super cool because we made the post last minute, but then a few listeners, including Amalia, and we had another listener on who was with us, Kelsey, mm-hmm. uh, both people who've been guest hosts on the show in the past. They both joined us. We had a couple others join us. 
It was a lot of fun. Um, we had some specific topics like Illinois legalizing pot um, and also the Mueller appearance that happened last week that we got to kind of analyze. But there was also a lot of off the cuff conversations. So it's a good one. Definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, it was fun. And shout out to our newest patrons, Jess, David, Marissa, Lindsay, and oh boy, I won't be able to pronounce this one. I feel like it's Akalia or Akalia, but if we're wrong, could you please correct us because we really hate butchering people's names. A shout out to both of you, Akalia <laughs> and Akalia. And some news, if you go to our Patreon right now, patreon.com slash millennial, you will see there is a limited time benefit. That is the handwritten letter. You must pledge by the end of June at the Facebook official level to receive a handwritten letter penned by one of us and signed by all three of us. Uh, Again, the end of June is the cutoff date. So pledge now at the Facebook official level if you do want that. Things are rocking and rolling there. We have some emails and some news to get to as we catch up on the past couple of weeks. But first, a sponsor. That's right. We wanted to hear a quick word from Rothy's. Rothy's is the company making insanely stylish and comfortable flats from recycled water bottles. Looking at their over 1,000 nearly perfect reviews, it's no surprise they're becoming one of the most gotta have them brands. I love my Rothy's, which I've had for a little over a year now for any occasion. I wear them to work, out for drinks, running through unexpected rainstorms, and pretty much anything every day. These things are so stylish, sustainable, comfortable, and machine washable. No, really, all of these bonuses in just one pair of shoes. They really are the perfect flats for life on the go. Pam, you have a pair of Rothy's, right? I do. And it's funny you mentioned the washing feature because I literally just tossed mine in the wash. Same. I did Mm -hmm. that the other day, too. Yeah, they look brand new. I mean, after being in Napa and traipsing through the vineyards, they were looking a little dusty. So pop them in the wash and now they look black as the darkest night, which is how (laughs) I like my flats. (laughs) And your coffee. Yes, that is very true. (laughs) Rothy's come in a wide range of colors and patterns, and they're available in four different silhouettes. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair. And you won't sacrifice comfort for fashion with these. One Yahoo editor recently called them the most comfortable flats I've ever owned. Rothy's are manufactured in a zero-waste factory, and they're shipped directly in the shoebox, so no unnecessary packaging. Plus, Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. We have some good emails this week. We'll start with a confessional. Hi, guys. I'm having a tough night and could use your advice. What do you do when your roommate repeatedly talks about you behind your back while you're both home? I get too anxious when I start to hear it happen. Not eavesdropping, but our place is far from noise-proof. And tend to put headphones in, but hear enough to pretty much guarantee that she's talking negatively about me. I feel like it's a situation so petty that I would only sound petty by confronting her about it but it makes me feel so anxious in my own place. I'll caveat that I am moving out soon, so there's an end date here regardless, but not sure how to deal in the meantime. Thanks for taking the time. Ugh, that sucks. Yeah. I know. 
I think it depends on how you see the relationship after you live together. Like, I definitely had a roommate once. She wasn't really, like, talking shit about me. She was just doing shitty things. And they were kind of deliberate. And it got to the point where I was like, whatever, I'm not going to see this bitch again. So I'm not even going to worry about trying to salvage anything. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I mean, I've also had situations in the past where like I lived with really close friends and we had maybe some tensions flare up and I did care about preserving those relationships. And and thankfully, I was able to. So I think that's kind of the deciding factor for me. I don't know, Andrew, Pam, what would you do? That's hard. Um, I, like you, emailer, am not very confrontational, so uh, I would probably just sit in my room and cry about it, TBH, um, and talk to my friends about it. I think at this point, like, she clearly knows what she's doing, unfortunately, and, and it probably is just to get a rise out of you, so... Um, if you want to be the bigger person, then and and you are moving out soon, then I, I might just let it be if it were me. Um, but that's that's just because I I I can't confront people about stuff like that. Like I can do it if it's for somebody else that I love, but I can't do it for myself. So, or we just complain about that person on the show. That too or passive aggressive. That's true. See what you could do <laughs> is like burn a disc copy of this episode and just slide it under her door and be like now a few thousand people on the internet know how shitty you are karen we all know that you're whatever her name is and you're super mean to our (laughs) listener friend and that's not cool yeah yeah let us talk for you (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah just like try not to be such a cunt yeah that that's what i would like and that's just general life advice. Like, hey, just don't be a dick. Yeah. It, the world's so much easier that way. It makes the world a nicer place. Well, I wonder, because I imagine that this roommate knows that the place is pretty noise-proof, or is, is far from noise-proof. So maybe she wants you to hear these things. And I'm oh, wondering what, what these complaints so too. are about. Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, you also have to ask yourself, we can't necessarily take your side. We don't know you. What if, what if, are, is she complaining about you farting all over the house? <laughs> Maybe snoring too loudly at night? What are the problems? Are, you, are you not doing your dishes? Write in and tell us what she's doing wrong. And then we'll record ourselves saying things like, I can't believe so-and-so left the cabinets <laughs> open again. God, your roommate sucks. And then you can turn that up. And then she'll think that you have friends over talking about her. Or him. I don't yeah. know. I do think Andrew brings up a good point here. Sometimes you do have to look inward and consider that there may be some validity because like there's no such thing as the perfect roommate, at least in my experience. I've had roommates that I loved dearly, but they still did stuff that annoyed the piss out of me. And I know the same was true for them. Like I know that I do like I have living habits that are annoying to other people. I think that's true of everyone. But the fact that this person just can't have a mature conversation with you, I think speaks to a larger issue than mm-hmm. possibly whatever annoying tics you might have as a roommate. Mm-hmm. And take it as a learning experience going into the next place you're renting. If you're renting with roommates again and, you know, maybe talk to those people about the problem that you had, which is lack of communication clearly and see if you guys can't 
just come to an agreement that if it ever gets to a point where somebody's doing something that bothers them, yeah, they should just be upfront about it because nobody's happy living this way, clearly. So, Speaking of confrontation, Laura, this email, I dedicate this one to you. This is something you can change. We're going to make it public on the show, though. It's from Scott. I've been listening to the show for <laughs> years and love it. One of my favorite recent things has been a permanent recommendation section. However, I often find myself forgetting what was discussed the second episode ends. So my suggestion is add the details of the recommendation to the show notes. Just a brief summary so we can go back and see. For example, one of the recent recs was for an LGBT novel that sounded interesting, but I don't remember the name of it or even what episode it was recommended. So Laura, I think, because Laura writes the show notes, I don't agree with Scott about details, but just like the three items in the show notes from now yeah, on. Yeah, that, that's doable. Just make sure they're listed in the doc. They are listed. In, are you telling us we don't list our recommendations S- in the doc? Sometimes there's like not a lot of context for what the thing is. Mm. and you know what that's fair yeah and when i'm writing show notes usually the day after the show and i'm trying to like live my life i can't i can't go researching people's things for them so you know you know you 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 give me a little i'll give you a little and uh, scott will be happy also scott i think that book might have been my recommendation so just for your peace of mind if you're still interested it was red white and royal blue by casey mcquiston I have started reading it, and I am enjoying it very much. It was like laugh out loud funny, and it made my heart happy. It was great. Harry Potter references in this book as well. Oh. Mm -hmm. Very long and very detailed sex scenes. Yeah. I read a lot of these gay books, and I was like, wait, is this ending anytime soon? This is going on a while. This is like a staple of new adult novels, I think. New adult uh, romance novels are very detailed in their descriptions. So it was was too titillating for you, Andrew? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just like, this is going on and on. (laughs) And why do you think they are getting detailed, Pam? Fifty Shades effect? Uh, I think so. Um... Maybe. I'm not sure, actually. I don't know too much about the history of the romance genre. I just know that I feel as though there's been a renaissance of um, books like, well, Fifty Shades was kind of marketed towards like general romance, but New Adult is marketed towards uh, people that like to read stories about younger people. So uh, Mm. people in their 20s and maybe pushing 30. Yeah. So, Laura, do you want to read the next one? Sure. The next one comes from Shay. It says, I am a 12-year-old English boy, that's B-O-I, who is a free runner. I do mad jumps, flips, and shit. Shameless plug at Shay Butter Free Run on Insta. Anyway, I have a fun workout you guys can do and get some new skills. Go trampolining or start free running. This burns calories and is super fun. If you find my Instagram, I'm always sweating but feeling great. Give it a go and let me know how you guys get on. Please read this on the show. I'm a big fan and it would be so cool and make me so happy. Bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is some 12-year-old. I fucking love this. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I looked at his Instagram and yeah, his whole Instagram is just him doing this free running and these mad jumps and flips and shit. Can you explain like what free running is? I Googled it because I didn't know either. It's you're basically just running up and down objects out and about like Like whatever. Yeah. Like whatever obstacles you can find, you are going to conquer them. 
that's the impression I'm getting. Like he's jumping up and empowering. down. Rocks Man, and, this email yeah. just made my day. <laughs> like <laughs> I do mad jumps, flips, and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man i don't know if i'm at the point where i can do like flips yeah or really jumping but we'll see that'll take some practice for sure <laughs> before we get there you know i was looking forward to actually getting a lot of walking in in nashville after our recent discussion because i was like oh after orlando lost the pound now i'm gonna spend four days in nashville gonna be walking all over the place and i was scooting all over the place didn't burn any calories, although my Apple Watch thought I was because I was moving so quickly on rough roads. Next one, Pam, do you want to take it? Sure. This one says, it just got pulled into my manager's office at work because an FBI investigator is coming to interview me about a tip I submitted late last night. I had a rumor that a coworker said something about shooting up our workplace. I waited for an hour and then my managers told me the investigator is busy interviewing people closer to the situation which is a relief because I wasn't there and have nothing but rumors to report. I'm glad it's being taken seriously, and I hope it was an empty threat, but I'm really overwhelmed and anxious, and I can't tell my coworkers or friends where I've been for the last hour. Ugh. Good on you for yeah. reporting it, though. Yeah. You did the right thing, for sure. Yep. Because we're not going to talk about it today, but there was that terrible shooting in Virginia Beach where 12 mm-hmm. people died. Right. And... You wonder if there was a coworker like you there who may have heard something and maybe didn't report it. And also good that that the um, FBI is actually coming to investigate because there have been so many cases where people do the right thing like you did and nobody takes it seriously higher up and nobody comes to check things out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had to do this in college one time. Really? Really? Yeah. So there was this really, I don't know if it would be right to call her troubled. She was interesting, this girl who lived in my dorm. And we weren't really friends, but like sometimes we would pass like on campus and we recognize each other. So we would just kind of like chit chat for a little bit. And one day she looked really stressed and I was like, well, what, are you okay? What's going on? And she was like, oh, I just want to kill one professor and 10 students. And I was like... Oh, that my God is oddly specific. And so I reported it because I was like, I mean, I don't think in my heart of hearts that she meant it that way. But I feel like I have to tell somebody. Um, and it ended up being a totally empty threat. It was just like something terrible said out of frustration. But it's definitely a scary thing to be put in that position because on right. the one hand, you're like, oh, God, I don't want to like possibly piss this person off or like think about how awkward it'll be if like they found out you're the one who reported them um and then it ends up being like totally baseless it was just like an off the cuff comment um but at the end of the day like if somebody's getting specific enough that they're threatening to like shoot a place up or kill specific people um you're doing the right thing by saying something no matter how uncomfortable it is and the last email. Pam, can you do it? I'm uh, making a social media post on our channels right now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from Anna, who says, as the mom of a child with a name from Harry Potter, I felt I needed to respond to your fandom name baby discussion last week. My daughter's name is very unusual, and people either immediately ask, like in Harry Potter, or stare at me blankly. 
It's actually a very good way to immediately find out a great deal about a stranger. Now, this daughter is my second child, and I thought for a very long time about whether or not to use this name. The issues you talked about in the episode, teasing in school, anger at me later, etc., were all things I considered. But when it came down to it, I named her after a character I deeply admire from a book series that consumed a decade of my childhood, a book series that shaped who I am now. Some people name their children after relatives or friends. My first child is named after my grandmother. Other children's names are picked randomly because their parents like the sound of the name or the meaning of the word. I'm proud to have named my child after a character who is a strong female role model, a true heroine filled with strength and intelligence. But I also gave my daughter a very ordinary middle name, thinking she can go by her middle name when she's older if she wishes. It's funny how a child embodies a name as they grow up. I can't imagine her being named anything else now. It wouldn't fit. Her personality is not at all like the book character, and now the name is just her. She's still young, only four, so the future will tell how she feels about the name in coming years. I'll have her write in with her opinion if you are still podcasting in 10 years. I hope you are. <laughs> that would be so cute, actually. That would be. Oh. Laura tried to guess the name, but she guessed wrong. I did. Oh, it's not Hermione? It no, was. It, it is. So, I don't know. I guess I just thought I think I misread the email and it was like it's very unusual and so I thought maybe it was a lesser like a less popular Harry Potter name so I guessed Minerva oh that would actually be really cute though yeah Mm -hmm. but Hermione's a pretty name yeah this is really sweet Anna Mm -hmm. thank you for uh, sharing this with us I'll judge people less now when they use character names (laughs) well I feel like in Anna's case though it sounds like, you know, she waited until the books were complete to choose to name her child that. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Which was one of the points that we brought up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Hermione, I don't think she was going to go bad anyway. No. So she was pretty safe. And also, it's not like she safe, named but... her daughter Expecto Patronum or something, you know, <laughs> like how people are naming their daughters Khaleesi and Khaleesi's yeah. a title. It's not a, really a name. Expecto Patronum. Expecto Patronum. Kamith. Expecto Patronum. Expecto. Expecto could be kind of a that that name rolls off the tongue nicely, but not Expecto mm. Patronum. Expecto. It'd be it'd be funny to name a kid Expelliarmus because of how that spell works. <laughs> so you say it, and they they have to come to you. <laughs> you mean Akio? Yeah. Or no, but doesn't? Oh no, Expelliarmus disarms. My bad. Yeah. You're right. Akio. You can Expelliarmus them to their room, and then they would be <laughs> gone from your presence. Akio, Akio here. Akio here. Akio. <laughs> you can't Akio live things, Mom. How many times do I have to tell you? Well, on Fantastic Beasts, you can. <laughs> well, wait, didn't didn't we get somebody who proved us wrong about that? Wasn't it's, there an excerpt from the book where somebody oh, accio Was like, this about an the Niffler and then they were like, oh, they were just like accioing the Niffler's treasure and that's how it works? Yeah. Uh. But, no, but but Newt says accio Niffler and J.K. Rowling once said, I feel like that you can't accio. I looked this up. She once said you can't accio a living thing. Because you can't accio horcruxes. Right. So anyway, yeah. this is. A I don't discussion know how for another you'd podcast, Akio but... a soul. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I'm intrigued. 
Definitely. Okay. Well, before we move into some news, we wanted to hear a quick word from another one of our sponsors, FabFitFun. If you love discovering new products, FabFitFun is the subscription box for you. It allows people everywhere to discover new products, as well as including rave review, must-have brands you know and love, like Living Proof's No Frizz Nourishing Styling Cream, Kula Organics SPF 30 Makeup Setting Sunscreen Spray, and Sutra Professionals Mini Travel Blow Dryer in Soft Touch Marble. I just got the 2019 Summer Box a few weeks ago, and I'm still in love with the Wish Exfoliating Foot Mask. My feet have never been softer. Andrew and Pam, how have you been enjoying your Summer Boxes? Well, I'm not sunburned, thanks to Kula, so... (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate... No, in all seriousness, I really do appreciate that there is a makeup setting spray out on the market. I know that there are a few, but this is the first one I've tried, and it's working out really well, so... FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full-size beauty, fashion, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. I'm serious. It's full-size products. No sample sizes of anything. Every box is guaranteed to have over $200 in retail value. The 2019 Summer Box total retail value ranges from $269.95 to $467.95. This is a fantastic value because many of the product's individual value is more than the entire cost of the box itself. You can customize your box by choosing some products and add-ons with each box, or you can choose to be surprised. Sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. Use our code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. Go to FabFitFun.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well-lived. Use promo code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. That's over a $200 value for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use our code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. A couple weeks ago, we spoke about this new abortion ban in Georgia, Laura's home state. And one of the things we said was, if Hollywood threatens to pull out or pulls out, Georgia is going to regret this because Hollywood gives Georgia a lot of money because they film there. And now a lot of studios are threatening to leave the state. Disney, Netflix, AT&T's Warner Media, NBC Universal, CBS, AMC, Sony, and Viacom all say, if you pass this, ban Georgia, we're out. The biggest one may have been Disney, CEO Bob Iger, said that uh, they are not pleased with this ban. And this would be a huge deal if, uh, you know, the the ban becomes law and Disney does pull out. Because get this. uh, So, of course, Disney has filmed a ton of big movies there. Black Panther, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War. Those productions helped Georgia bring in close to $2.7 billion in direct spending in the state in 2017. So there is a lot of money on the line for the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this might stop Georgia. Do you think so, Laura? I don't know. I mean, Not- it certainly I mean, it, it did help before when Georgia was trying to pass a very draconian bill that would restrict the rights and freedoms of LGBT people and Hollywood threatened to pull out before from that. Um, So it worked then. So I think it's certainly 
you know, I'm glad to see that they're putting their money where their mouth is because I know that, you know, it's much cheaper for them to film and they get tons of tax breaks for doing that here. Um, right. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know if Georgia Republicans are going to be willing to have to defend themselves from their opponents who are going to point out that clearly, you know, income and money is more important to them than the sanctity of life. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question that they're going to have to face, isn't it? (laughs) Because if if they do it, if they do decide to, you know, roll back on this or at least not make it quite as restrictive as it is now, how do they defend themselves from that? It's Mm. like, okay, so if we put enough money on the table, then you're willing to pony up on women's reproductive rights. Yeah, yeah. But also imagine the backlash they're going to face from Mm -hmm. all these people that are going to be out of jobs. Um, Yeah. I think, Andrew, both you and I have been to Florida, I mean, not Florida, um, Alabama on set visits, right? Not Alabama. Atlanta. God, I I don't even know where my head's at. Anyway, (laughs) we've both been to Atlanta on set visits, and I'm sure that you've met people, too, that are working on these movies that say, oh, yeah, I live here you know, nine months out of the year, or I permanently moved here because the industry's relocating here and there's so much opportunity for work. All those people Mm -hmm. are going to leave. Absolutely. And on the flip side of that, though, you got to think some other states might be looking at the situation and being like, oh, shit, this is our chance to woo Hollywood. Or like, I mean, Vancouver is a huge filming spot, too. Maybe everybody takes all their stuff up to Canada. Yeah. I, th- I feel like they need another southern state. Better I, I filming guess. conditions year-round. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I feel like a lot of these big-budget stuff... I know that The Walking Dead films outside, but I think most of these other places are just looking for huge like indoor oh, studios true. to film in. So as long as yeah. you have the space for that, I don't think there's any reason why they can't find wide-open space other places. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, it would be a bummer, too, because we have so many just people here who are aspiring actors or filmmakers and the amount of opportunity that's cropped up in the Atlanta area over the last decade is substantial and it would just be kind of devastating for us to lose like reproductive freedom and also this industry that brings a lot of attention and money to this great city. Some other government-related news. This one affects all of us here in the U.S. The U.S. Senate last week voted unanimously to approve an anti-robocalling bill that would cut down on the number of illegal robocalls that people receive. It's called the TRACED Act, and uh, it increases penalties for robocalls, provides authorities with more time to act promotes the adoption of call authentication and blocking tools, establishes an interagency group for exploring additional scam call deterrence, and clears the way for criminal prosecution of robocallers. So this is a pretty big deal. And I wanted to bring this up. John Oliver actually highlighted this a few months ago, but it's happening to me daily. Are you guys getting these robocalls daily? Yes. yes. So bad. I do not answer my phone anymore if it's an unknown number and the the tricky part is and i feel like this is why it really escalated um the robocallers somehow figured out how to spoof phone numbers that are in your area code so Mm -hmm. you think it's a local person calling so you naturally answer 
but we all caught on to that eventually. Um, so when when robocallers call, or when you suspect a robocaller is calling, do you two answer or what? I have a hard time not answering because I have so many friends who live abroad that mm. it's hard for me to tell if I'm if what I'm getting is a robocall or if it's genuinely an international call. Like I have, I mean, friends in Costa Rica, of course, but like Argentina, Malta, Western Europe. Like, so it makes it kind of difficult. The other day I got a call from Russia and I wasn't sure because I knew a friend of mine had been traveling over there recently. And I was like, oh, I don't remember if he's back yet. Um, And I answered it and it was just a robocall in Chinese. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, damn it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that makes it tough. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I don't answer. Actually, um. I set it up so that I have everybody that I actually know and talk to on a regular basis uh, down as a favorite contact. And then I just leave my phone on do not disturb or everything else. (laughs) No, I'm serious because I believe you. It's just like, it's such a pain in the ass. Well, I have good news for you. Apple just announced today that in iOS 13, there's going to be a feature that sends unknown callers directly to voicemail. So basically what you're doing, but you don't need to have do not disturb on. Amazing. Yeah. That's great. This this issue has gotten so, so bad. It's unbelievable. And we'll see if this bill actually changes anything. I would think that these robocallers haven't figured out where they can't get caught doing it. But yeah. To be honest, I'm more concerned about some of the scams that are happening. Like, there's a really common one here, and I'm not sure if it's nationwide, but where they'll call and tell you there's like a warrant out for your arrest, and it'll be a real person on the phone telling you like there's a warrant out for your arrest. You have to go get um, like uh, a money order and bring it and meet us here and give it to us or else we're going to like take your kids away or, you know, something equally heinous like that. And to people who just aren't as well informed, they manage to find the thing that will scare them into not thinking rationally so that they like take out this money and give it to this random individual. It's to the point where um, like local police departments here have started telling people like, hey, if you get one of those calls, tell them to meet you in like the local police precinct parking lot and we'll be happy (laughs) to help you with them, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if this is happening across the country, but it it is. Um, so it, it's especially bad because the people that tend to fall for this the most, I think, are older people. Yeah. And I've also heard that they're getting so sophisticated. Sometimes they'll say, we have your child. And then they'll play a recording that actually sounds like this person's kid. Whoa! Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh huh. And then that person will be like, "Oh, okay, I'll I'll send you the money, right?" You know, because you don't want anything to happen yeah. to the person that you love. And I'm- um, I don't know if I can. I think it's okay because, like, if I was there, I would have known. So my mom again. My mom's a banker, and she she has told me multiple times that people come in and they're like, "I just transferred all this money because." Um. So this this person called me and said they had my kid. Turns out it was a scam. Is there anything you can do? Usually not because the money's already gone, so they can try, but it's kind of a shot in the dark. 
But recently, this little lady came in, and the reason they were able to stop it is because she was still on the phone with the scammer. Oh. So she, like, one of the people that was working with her mom took the phone away and said, don't call again, and hung up. And the lady got really scared. She was like, I just sent the money. I don't know if they're really going to kill so-and-so. And so they were like, what? So they were able to stop it because she had literally just sent it, like, maybe five minutes ago. And so it hadn't wow. actually moved. But after it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, my mom knows someone who got one of these calls and fell for it um, because they were telling her they were going to come take her kids away. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're getting crazy. Well, speaking of iOS 13, Apple announced something else today, right, Pam? Yes, they announced the death of iTunes. It's the end of an era, guys. (laughs) Uh, So iTunes had a good run, but after two decades, Apple officially announced that this year's Worldwide Development Development Conference, that they'll be phasing out iTunes in favor of three more modern apps. So this is going to be phased out with the next OSX update, which is called Catalina. And similar to how things are set up via iPhone for people that have that technology, iTunes will now be replaced on your desktop with the music, Apple TV, and podcast apps. So this sounds a little bit scary for some people that might have questions, but it's really not too big of a deal. It just means everything's going to be a little bit more categorized. So the uh, first thing to note is that if you have Windows, iTunes app is going to stick around for now, so you don't have to worry about anything changing if you're not into change at all. Um, Also, for people that are on Macs, previous purchases and libraries are still going to be accessible. Those who use iTunes to sync up their devices are not just going to do it differently. There's going to be a tool located via the sidebar and finder, and you can continue syncing up that way. You can also still purchase and download songs or albums, but now you'll just do that through the music app. And similarly, you'll be able to purchase movies and TV shows through the Apple TV app. And then maybe most importantly, if any of you guys have iTunes gift cards lying around, those are still going to be valid and They're not going to be discontinued, so you can still use those to purchase in these new apps. And I believe that this update's coming in September, so have a few more months left with the old iTunes. You left out the most important new app, the podcast app. That's right, the podcast app. And something very interesting about it is you're going to be able to search by topics, and it will actually search through podcast episode show notes and titles and whatnot. So now we might be able to find new listeners when they're just searching for like butt plugs and roommates who talk (laughs) shit on you (laughs) through the walls. Or just think about, you know, some of our earlier episode titles. Like we have we have an early episode from like the beginning of the show called Japanese Penis Festival. (laughs) That's a very popular search term. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to be looking up Japanese penises and they're going to find us. So, yeah, this is the end of an era. It's, I mean, iTunes, we've all used it forever. Actually, I was watching this Worldwide Developers Conference keynote, and they uh, they brought up the classic phrase, rip, mix, burn. I think that was the big iTunes tagline back in the day. Oh we used gosh. it to make CDs. Yeah. Now my MacBook Air doesn't even have a, a CD DVD drive. Right. But iTunes is really... it it. It's a mess these days. There's too much in it. They even joked about that. They said, oh, now we're going to add Calendar to it. Now we're going to add the Notes app to it. We're going to add a doc to it as well. 
Um, it's just there's all these things in iTunes and, you know, putting movies in iTunes and TV shows in iTunes doesn't make sense. It's been a media hub. And uh, now it's time to just break it out into multiple apps. So I'm pleased by it. Yeah. I think yeah, I would news. be a little sadder if I still used iTunes like I used to. But ever since I upgraded to um, a MacBook Air, there's not as much space on there. So I don't house any of my music on my laptop anymore. And mm. it just takes up a lot of space when you do that. So, I mean. So what are you doing? Streaming all your music? I Well, I stream everything. And actually, it's a bit of a problem because I think about what might happen one day if I, like, if streaming suddenly, like, goes away for some reason, right? And then I don't have access to any of this music I thought I had. It was just all, I'm basically just, like, renting it, right? It's not right. mine to own. Uh, but I do have, like, anything physical that I buy, I, I do have on an external hard drive or, like, and by physical, I mean like an MP3 or an MP4. Okay. Andrew, you touched on this in the Landy, I think. But much like you, the only thing that I use iTunes for is converting files to MP3. <laughs> so I don't care. This actually kind of affects me uh, <laughs> because I am such a big Bruce Springsteen fan that I have, and I'm looking at my iTunes now, 66 gigabytes of music in iTunes. It's all Jesus Bruce. Christ. 4,800 songs. It's all Bruce live stuff because I download all these live concerts. They, I have bootlegs and then he releases a new concert every month. So I have a shitload of stuff. I need iTunes. I need this new music app. So I'm still in it every day. And yes, yeah. as you said, Laura, I also use it to convert the podcast to MB3 because old habits die hard. Well, it is a lot easier to do it that way, I feel. Because if yeah. not, you're op- uh, unless you have a software on your computer, you, you have to just go find a, a converter online. Right. So. And I just love the simple settings that yeah. I need in there. Like I could do it in Adobe Audition, but I have to set up the settings one time. Ah, uh, <laughs> can't even be bothered to do that. Well, moving on to some darker news. Uh, I don't know how up you guys are on all the Everest news that happened over our break. Um, There was a picture that you probably saw. It's gone viral of a couple hundred people standing in line to try and get to the summit of Everest. Like, you know, like they're at fucking Disney World or something. Um, The reason for that is that Nepal issued a record 381 permits for climbers to scale Mount Everest this year. Um, That is a record because normally... They've been much more restrictive about it in the past. Um, however, it's it's become such a cash cow that a lot of people who shouldn't be climbing Everest are now climbing it. And to illustrate that point, 11 people have died climbing Everest just in the month of May. <laughs> Only in the month of May. And to put that in perspective, the last super deadly climbing season 14 people died in the whole season 11 people died in the month of may um so just to kind of like illustrate how physically taxing this is even if you're super fit and you've gone through like years of training which is really what you need to be able to do something like this um You have to, first of all, stop and stay the night in four separate camps on your way up the mountain because you have to acclimate to thinner air. 
because there's less oxygen up there. Um, and so people actually have to carry like oxygen tanks with them because without that, you won't be getting enough oxygen and you'll start experiencing all of the effects like, you know, borderline insanity from not having enough oxygen in your system. Um, you also have to have the assistance of Sherpas um, who, I mean, I feel like most people are familiar with the term, but like they are locals who are particularly skilled at scaling these very like treacherous, hostile mountain environments. And they have to make the climb with you, carry gear with you, set up all your ropes and everything that you would need to make the climb because you're not just going up like a steep incline. There are literally parts of this climb that are straight up walls that you have to be able to get up. There are parts of it that are glaciers that you have to get across. There are parts that are just like deep chasms that if you fall into, you're absolutely dead. And they have to make sure that it's set up so that you can get across all this shit and then get to the top and take your fucking selfie up there at the top of Everest. Um, To further illustrate how serious this is, when you summit Everest, you or when you're attempting to summit rather, you have to turn around and start heading back down to base camp four at around two to two thirty in the afternoon. That's like a hard and fast rule. And the reason for that is the weather conditions are so severe that going like trying to get back down the mountain anytime after that is incredibly perilous. Um, and this was driven home by the 1996 Everest disaster in which several of the climbers in this expedition were delayed in reaching the summit and didn't end up getting there until like five in the afternoon, almost three hours after they should have left. And eight of them ended up getting caught in a blizzard on the way down and died. So it's really intense, really severe. And we're seeing way more people like, just rich people, lawyers, accountants, you know, investors deciding I've got $45,000 to drop, which is the average cost that it is for you to actually climb Everest. Um, I'm going to make some poor Sherpa haul my unfit ass up the side of this mountain so that I can just stand at the top of it and take a quick picture. Um, a really creepy thing about this is that climbers frequently die. There are around 200 bodies on Everest. And they leave the bodies there because it's too dangerous to remove them. Like when people are trying to get off this mountain and somebody is dying, more often than not, they just leave them there because that person's going to die. And if other people try to help them, that's literally dead weight. <laughs> that they're trying to get down this mountain. Um, So there are dead bodies that are perfectly preserved on this mountain. Some of them even serve as landmarks for climbers. Um, Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's a really famous one, and it was actually one of the people who died in the 1996 um, uh, tragedy, like where so many of them perished. and they call him green boots because he literally has these like lime green boots. And when you see this picture, that does not look like somebody that died in 1996. It looks like just a person laying in the snow. And Ooh. that serves as a guide point for climbers. 
That's insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can I say, though, Laura, you keep kind of like brushing off climbing Everest as, oh, just a thing to do to take a selfie. This is something that people, they work towards their whole life. Well, I don't think I, we should kind of, you know, scoff at the idea well, of it. No, I'm not scoffing at the idea of it. I'm scoffing at the people who are not adequately trained and have no yeah. business being up there. There are climbers who have literally, as you said, Andrew, spent their whole lives training for this. And that's fine. I think that's awesome. It's impressive. Actually, the gentleman who took that picture that so many of us have seen online over the last couple of weeks, he holds the world record for summiting Everest the most times. And he's somebody who is able to be up there. But you're looking at like the average age of people who've died in the month of May is like 50. Like, I'm sorry, if you're middle-aged and you're not trained to do this, this is not a fucking hike. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what this is. It's 29,000 feet above sea level. You have no interest or you have no reason in being up there. Um, the other thing that's a problem about this is with the increased tourism that's happening, there is so much garbage in all of the base camps on Everest. So people are just leaving their shit there because, I mean, you know, understandably, like if you're facing that kind of harsh condition, you're probably not going to be thinking twice about dropping something on the ground because you just want to get the fuck out of there probably. Yeah. So but, we have preserved bodies and also preserved trash. Lovely. Yes. Yeah. But the really freaky thing about this is with climate change, of course, the snow and ice is starting to melt, which is raising another problem in that they're finding more dead bodies that were buried beneath all of that snow and ice. And those bodies are starting to surface now. Perfectly preserved. So more landmarks. You know a YouTuber has considered doing this before, I'm sure. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm positive. Think of all the money I could make. Right, exactly. And I think that's the thing. It's like for so many of these people, it's when I say like they're going up there to take a selfie, that's what it is to them. It's like Disney World. It's like Universal Studios. But they're they're not considering everything that they have to do to get to that selfie. Do you still Which need to problem. get a doctor's note for this? Because didn't wasn't that the case before that you needed to have a doctor sign off? I don't know about that. Hmm. So I, I mean, read... I can't imagine that a doctor would sign off on like <laughs> yeah. a not physically fit fifty five year old person climbing so Everest. I read that Nepal is going to crack down on who they give these permits to. They're going to add. They're, they're thinking about doing this. I don't think this has been put into effect yet, but they're going to make it more difficult to actually get one of these permits so Joe Schmo can't show up one day on a whim and be like, yeah, fuck, I'll climb it. Why not? You're going to have to prove that you're capable of doing it. So that sounds like a good idea, right? Yeah, well, the only reason they're doing it is because they've gotten so much negative publicity about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly they had to know that issuing 381 permits for this, considering the fact the climbing season's incredibly short. Like there's only like two to three weeks out of the year where the mountain is viable to climb. Yeah. 
And then I was reading that Nepal was like, oh, the reason for that long line was because the weather's been bad. So there have been fewer opportunities for people to get up. But still, if they're issuing more permits, then yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, also, it just, they shouldn't be allowed to have that kind of traffic jam at the summit. I mean, when you see that picture, what? Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, traffic jam. Exactly. But like, when you see people on that thing, they're literally standing on the edge of a gigantic precipice. And they're just there for hours waiting to get to the top of this damn mountain. Yeah. And I'm sorry, there should be a limit. Like when when a group leaves base camp four, there should be like a hard cutoff of how many people can leave that camp at a time. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't be allowing these traffic jams to happen. And People also need to be aware of the fact that it's totally possible that you might go all this way and not make it to the summit because the only way that you'll make it to the summit is if you risk your life, you know? I didn't know the average cost to climb Everest is $45,000. I'm out right there. I'd rather buy a Tesla. Well, that's the thing. It's like, why would I, you know, I'm, I'm not an experienced climber. I totally understand why somebody who's trained their whole life to do this would spend that amount of money on it. Yeah. But like, if you're just a rich, middle-aged person, why would you do this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What are some extreme activities that we would all participate in? I said skydiving. That's like the only one I can think of, too. I wouldn't even do that. I am not an extreme activity <laughs> participant. I will watch y'all on YouTube or Patreon. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll make that like the five hundred dollar tier. You skydiving? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I'd be scared, but I might still do it. I like fun recreational <laughs> activities. I'll go kayaking on Lake Michigan. I'll go hiking in the California mountains, but some extreme activities. <laughs> no, I'm too much of a worry wart for that. Yeah, that sounds about right. What do we think that countries like Nepal and China and Everest sits on the borders of those countries, what can they do to reduce the amount of like, you know, civilian casual interest in trying to make this summit that they really shouldn't be making, but then also maintain the cash flow. Because, I mean, that's really the reason that Nepal was giving all these licenses was it's, you know, kind of like their single most, like, profitable attraction. You, you know? add an enclosed heated escalator to Mount Everest. Then you could bring a lot of people up to the summit every day. I don't day. know how possible that or is. Or you do what... Um, <laughs> They, I was watching The Amazing Race with my mom, and they made all of the racers believe that they were going to, um, uh, what do they call it, like like free fall from the top of the tallest building. And so everybody like went up there on the elevator thinking they were going to jump off, right? And it turns out that it's a virtual reality experience <laughs> when you get up there. Oh, That'd be cool. And it, there's like a whole like game you play and like it's kind of like you're in like a Mission Impossible action movie and they're like, break the seal. Like, you know, no, you have to jump to get away. And and that's the experience. And maybe they just need more of that at the base. Or maybe you can just 
you know, take a nice little trek around certain parts of it. Yeah. Shorter climbs. But is see, the problem is people want to get to the top and they like it because it's dangerous. They like it because so few few people get to do it. So I don't think there's necessarily an answer to but this question. Do they like do few people get to do it when like 400 other people are doing this every year? It, that's still a lot of people. But compare that to how many people visit the Eiffel Tower yeah. or the White House or climb a mountain in California. They also do that for the selfie. <laughs> like this is extremely rare compared to most other things that you can do in the yeah. world. Yeah, I'm just hopeful kind of like what the two of you alluded to that the technology will come along that will allow, you know, the less physically fit among us to have the experience without one contributing to the destruction of this mountain and two contributing to additional civilian deaths. That right. won't fulfill the needs of the people who actually want to do this though. I don't think there's an answer here. But what if there's a way for, you know, Joe Schmo, who's like got a trust fund and is a really successful businessman. And he's like, I want to stand at the top of Everest. And there was a way for him to do that without actually climbing. So like a helicopter or yeah. the escalator. Right. But right yeah. now, neither of those are viable options. Helicopters can't fly up there. Uh -huh. So yeah, the weather conditions are too extreme. So mm -hmm. Elon Musk day... can come up with some sort of solution to get people up there. Yeah. Maybe they can have like a bullet train. Yeah. <laughs> People will like stop that. caring about Everest <laughs> once uh, we get space travel going. When you I, can travel yeah. to, the Mar to Mars. There we go. That's true. The same people that are doing this are the same people that are going to race to be the first to go up there as civilians, right? And then they're exactly going to be in danger because there haven't been as much test missions or something. You know what's more difficult than climbing Everest? Sorry, was somebody going to make a point? Mm -mm. Nope. <laughs> oh. You know what's harder than climbing Everest? Being a Democrat and appearing on Fox News. And this actually has been a debate recently. Should the 2020 presidential candidates appear on Fox News? Pete Buttigieg, Kristen Gillibrand, Amy Klobuchar, and Bernie Sanders have all hosted town halls on the network in support of their 2020 candidacies. Elizabeth Warren, though, has vowed not to appear on the network. She said, quote, I'm just not going to give them a full hour to help raise money and help get credibility. She said that on The View recently, to which Meghan McCain replied, there are lots of good people who watch Fox. Trump has not been a fan of these Democratic candidate town halls either. He said, something strange is going on at Fox. <laughs> he said that after the Buttigieg event. Something strange. How dare we hear from both sides on Fox News? He also took shots at Fox after their Bernie Sanders event because it was coming off very pleasant. Everybody was having a good time and Trump didn't like that. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. So um, the other big issue here is that the DNC has already barred Fox News from hosting any of the 2020 Democratic debates. So there's this debate. Should Democrats appear on Fox News, these Democrats who are running for president? I say fuck yeah, you should be appearing on Fox News because that's where some of the very important voters are. A am I right? I think so, yes. Yeah. Because also, like, I think that people forget that 
Fox News is Fox News, right? But but Fox as a network also broadcasts that stream to the smaller offshoots that also happen to appear on Fox. You know, like the local news stations that are also housed on Fox, which may not always be uh, right leaning. So, and right. we also and we all always talk here about how Fox News doesn't share the whole story or avoid certain reporting on certain headlines. This is a chance to get those headlines aired on Fox News. And one right. good example is this clip that's been going around in which a Fox News viewer revealed that she was surprised by Mueller's press conference because that was the first time she had heard that there was anything bad in the Mueller report. That's because all she does Mm -hmm. is watch Fox News, and they didn't have a single bad thing to say about it. Then they air Mueller's speech to the nation, (laughs) which caught everybody by surprise, and suddenly Fox News viewers are hearing the truth. There is a way to be very discerning about appearances on Fox News, like... I think it was stupid of the DNC to bar Fox News from hosting any of the debates when really what the DNC could have done was leverage their control of the situation to pick the moderators. Mm -hmm. Because there are real legitimate reporters at Fox News. It's just Fox gives more attention to their talking heads. And I think the DNC could come in and say, hey, we want to have debates here, but here is our list of acceptable moderators. Pick from these. Right. Chris Wallace. Yeah, Chris Wallace. I mean, he's done he's moderated some of the debates before, and I disagree with him on a lot of things, but I don't find him to be an intolerable moderator. Yeah, exactly. And he presses Republicans on the Mm -hmm. issues on Fox News Sunday. Uh, I see clips from that from time to time. So, yeah, I just hate this idea that no Democrats should be going on Fox News. You're an idiot. You're losing out on a lot of valuable exposure where otherwise Fox News is just shitting on the left and probably shitting on you as a candidate and likely very unfairly. Yeah, right. I think some of this, so like... Democrats are so afraid of not playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that it's you can just look at the situation in Washington right now and see, like, they're too scared. They're walking on eggshells around Donald Trump, um, even though he's a perfect demonstration of the fact that playing politics doesn't always help you win. Um, so I could definitely see the Democrats being very selective and strategizing here in terms of saying like, okay, somebody like an Elizabeth Warren, I think she raises a good point, which is that Elizabeth Warren gets the same kind of vitriol from Fox News viewers that somebody like Hillary Clinton gets. And I think she's right that her appearing on Fox News would be a feeding frenzy because they're predisposed to hate her. But these other candidates that a lot of these Fox News viewers probably have very little context for don't have that problem. So I can definitely see the Democratic Party having an organized plan to put these lesser known candidates out in the water and get them to start talking about Democratic policies and initiatives so that they're more normalized by the time we have more cohesion around who our candidate or at least our serious candidates are going to be. So I can see that being part of the equation. 
I wish that they weren't still in that. Like, I feel like that's a very pre-2016 mindset. And like, there are no rules anymore. And I wish they would recognize that. Do what you got to do to increase your chances of winning. Suck it up. Yeah, I, I see like, your point about Elizabeth Warren, but that wasn't even her reason for not appearing on Fox News. So I'm not really pleased with her reason either, which was you don't want to she doesn't want to help raise money. I guess that means sell advertising and right. give Fox News credibility. Why not give them some credibility when it's you talking? It's your credibility. <laughs> yeah, I think she probably just defines granting credibility maybe differently yeah. than we would. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely think that it's a strategy. I don't think, I do not think it's an accident that the only people who are making appearances are the people who are pretty likely not to get nominated. So. True. That, that is true. Although, you know, something kind of crazy happened. When we were driving back from Nashville, we were charging the vehicle and we're walking around while it's charging and I'm wearing my boot edge edge shirt. It says boot edge edge really big on it. And a middle-aged woman and her mother are walking towards us. And the the grandmother says, oh, look at that cute dog. And the middle-aged woman goes, oh, I was too distracted by that Pete Buttigieg shirt. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know Pete Buttigieg? That's cool. <laughs> that is awesome. I mean, yeah. I can see it. He has a lot of like middle-class blue-collar appeal. Mm-hmm. to him so i can definitely see that all right well we have one more sponsor this week they're a new sponsor and i think they're going to resonate with our audience chances are you already know them the new yorker we talk frequently here about the importance of great journalism the new yorker represents the best writing in america today both online and in print the new yorker covers a full range of topics including politics news pop culture international affairs, climate change, and the environment. And what's different about The New Yorker is they write beautifully. And that's because of their brilliant writers. Take Ronan Farrow, who has written breaking news on Harvey Weinstein and Les Moonves. His writing has changed the entertainment industry forever. Then there's people like Janelle Cobb, a staff writer and professor of journalism at Columbia, who writes frequently about race, politics, history, and culture. The New Yorker takes deep dives into the topics that matter. And if you want to support great journalism, we highly recommend subscribing. And we got a deal for you. You can get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6. Plus, you'll receive The New Yorker tote bag. This will get you home delivery of the print edition each week, plus unlimited access to newyorker.com with 10 to 15 exclusive site-only stories every day. It'll also get you access to their apps, online archive, crossword puzzle, and more. Get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6 plus the exclusive tote. Go to newyorker.com slash millennial. Listeners save 50% when they enter code millennial at checkout. Super easy to subscribe. I did it earlier today, and now I'm looking forward to 12 weeks of The New Yorker. I cannot wait to read. This is your chance to support great journalism and make sure important stories are uncovered. Okay. So uh, to wrap up the show, let's do some recommendations. In the vein of slow-closing toilet seats, I want to recommend dimmable light switches, particularly for the bathroom. Because when you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, nothing is worse than entering the bathroom and having to turn on that light. 
It's like, oh, my eyes. But you need to turn on the light. You can't pee in the dark. That's crazy. So buy dimmable light switches and get some LED lights that work with dimmable light switches. Um, I'm going to recommend microdermabrasion. If you get the chance, man, it's it's the weirdest feeling because it's like it feels like have you ever had a cat like you? Yes. It no. feels yeah, well, we have it really feels scratchy tongues. Yeah, so it feels like a cat's licking your face cuz it's like it feels very sandpapery, but it's like got this suction in it, so it's like uh exfoliating your skin, but then it's like sucking up all of the like dead skin and like gross shit from your pores. Um and it, I'm serious, it'll leave you feeling like you're just a baby's ass. Right there in your face. My recommendation is Ava DuVernay's Central Park 5 Netflix limited series, When They See Us. It's amazing and it's going to make you feel some some type of way. Uh, Probably not very happy for the most part, but I do think it's a very important piece of work that's out there right now. So please don't sleep on it and take some time to check it out. It's a hard watch, but it'll be super rewarding. We have a very special installment of After Dark today. In the Millennial Facebook group, some listeners have been very concerned about our friend Emerson. He's recently been back on Twitter, and he's been tweeting some very strange... Well, he thinks they're normal, but to the rest of us, we see them as very strange. So we are going to go through these tweets one by one and try to figure out what the hell he is saying. I've selected... No less than 15 tweets for us to analyze. I've just been so worried about him. Do either of you follow him on Twitter currently? No. I feel like I got oh. the Cliff Notes version whenever anybody yeah. posts about him in the group. <laughs> yeah, anytime he starts doing some shit, I, I end up hearing about it. <laughs> He's encouraging CEOs to lie, it seems like to me, as one oh, example. Well, yeah, that sounds fucking right. That's his <laughs> whole employment model. <laughs> Uh, so that's the kind of commentary you're going to be receiving with all of these <laughs> tweets. I also have selected four that I actually agree with. I don't agree with him often, but every once in a while, I do. Anyway, that is going to be in this week's installment of After Dark, which is available at patreon.com slash millennial. You also get benefits like face-to-face, which we did over the weekend, breaking news, and hashing it out. And, of course, Mega Millennial, which is the main show, plus After Dark combined into one easy-to-consume podcast. And you'll also get early access to each episode by being able to listen live as we record. Also, don't forget about our social media channels. Just use username Millennial Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to get in touch with us, go to MillennialShow.com. We have the contact link at the top, and right next to that, we also have the confessional link if you want to send in something anonymously you can also just email millennial show at gmail.com what should our closing song be elton the climb yeah. yeah let's do elton okay not the climb for all the people dying on everest <laughs> so i want to play we should play something by by the way something we didn't mention is that taryn egerton actually performs all these songs live that's so good that's cool yeah. Unlike uh, what's his face in Bohemian Rhapsody? Rami Malek. Yeah. 
Uh, what song? Rocket Man? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I miss the earth so much. I miss my life. It's lonely out in space. On such a timeless flight. That song just puts me at ease. Mm -hmm. A few other songs do. Yeah. I love, too, that, you know, since we see Elton at different ages, that the kids are also doing low-key Elton John impressions on the soundtrack. Yeah. Kind of love it. And speaking of Elton at different ages, I was also impressed that they emphasized the fact that he loses his hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Elton did not give any fucks that they were going to show that. (laughs) There's like these close-ups on his forehead at some points, which I thought were referencing that. Mm -hmm. And then you do see his uh, hairline receding. Very interesting. Yeah, it is funny. I forget the name of the actor who plays him. Taron Egerton. Yeah, yeah. So they were in uh, Kingsman 2 together. That's right. He did do a cameo in that. Yep. Oh, wow. I thought that was funny. Maybe that's where the the love affair began. Maybe. Maybe. Taron Egerton, good looking guy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) 